Hello, hello, 6 a.m. community family, I guess I call a lot of you guys. I'm very excited. It's a, a rainy, cold Wednesday morning here in Wilmington, Delaware. But uh, I'm very excited and I'm not even going to waste anyone's time. As we get to my guest, we have a lot to uncover based on his bio. But Jonathan McLernan, if I'm pronouncing Yeah, you, you got it, man. <laughs> awesome. Jonathan, please, I'll let you. I always love the guest. I feel like, in my opinion, no one's better hype man than yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself <laughs> and why. You know why. We just discussed it in the pre-call, why I brought you to introduce you to the 6AM Run yeah. community. Well, I, I run a company called Freedom Nutrition Coaching. And you know that came from a client of mine who said, I don't want to live in nutrition prison anymore. In my own backstory, I've had quite a journey in life. But in a nutshell, I went through a traumatic experience about 10 years ago, became a binge eating food addict, gained 120 pounds, and then spent the next six to seven years just grappling with my struggling, trying to figure out you know what to do when I went right. from being athletic to being morbidly obese and not really finding the answers that I needed. And so it was really when uh, I hired a coach who who finally demonstrated for me what actual self-compassion, self-love, and compassion look like, mm -hmm. especially as a male, that it really created a, a life-changing transformation in myself. And I've been able to lose over 100 pounds and keep the majority of that weight off more than yeah, going on four years now. Wow. And that's a really difficult milestone to hit uh, yeah, as a former binge eating. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but a lot of, I realized a lot of our struggles are not connected to information. Like, you know, when we're overwhelmed, we'll say like, please just tell me what to eat and I'll do it. But the truth is that's not the problem. And we want to get to really what the struggles are. So I, I like to say that I marry the science of metabolism with the psychology of behavior change and the compassion of human connection. And those three things together are what create life-changing transformations. Wow. Yeah. And you talk about emotions. It's funny. I don't know if I'm jumping in the wrong, I don't want to get off and veer off in the wrong subject, <laughs> but I know one thing, for example, working from home during COVID, right? Like yeah. I found myself, if not even COVID, I shouldn't even say that as an example, if it's a Sunday and I'm all my, and by the way, we'll get into my whole effort thing and stuff like that. Yeah. We'll get into your weight loss journey in a second, but I do want to talk about the emotional eating a little bit. What yeah. I found is like, if I'm bored, I don't know. I'm, I'm still that little kid. Like I go look in the fridge or the pantry. Am I, yeah. what's your experience there? Am I normal? Am I awkward? Why do I do that? You're normal. <laughs> we look all behavior makes sense. I like to say that that's kind of the lens that I start with is, is all behavior makes sense. If we know kind of the backstory, we know the way that the brain works, the behavior makes sense. It doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's necessarily helpful right. or ideal. We have plenty of unhelpful behaviors, you know, like smoking, for example. We know well and truly that smoking is detrimental to people's health, yet people still smoke. And you go, well, mm -hmm. why do they do that? Because that behavior solves a problem. Mm -hmm. And so when we instead of saying you're an idiot for smoking. Which real quick, time out. Yeah. We have replaced, in my opinion, you're bringing up a great point. I'm, I'm 42. Yeah. I'm the age where there were smoking vending machines at restaurants. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 41. Remember so you pull? Thing. I used to, I was a kid. I used to like, it was kind of like foosball. I used to pull at the handles, right? Mm -hmm. I know. I, I, I want to hold your thought, but I'm saying, I believe coffee replaced, Starbucks replaced smoking, in my opinion. Yeah. But go ahead. But go ahead. Oh, I, th I think that's a, a great theory, right? Because, you know, nicotine is a stimulant. Well, what are we really looking for when we're smoking? I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I need a break. I mm -hmm. need to check out. So I'm going to go for a smoke. What are you doing? Yep. You're checking out of your current situation. And that nicotine hits your bloodstream. It's a stimulant. You know, that feels really good. So, and then, I mean, there's all, all kinds of elements of sort of the addiction more than just a nicotine addiction, right? In terms of, but that behavior solves the problem. The point of this is we know why people do this and it's not because they're stupid. It's because their brain is looking for something and coffee does. Oh, hey, I need a coffee break. 
right? I need to go grab a coffee. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I, I need to pick me up. So caffeine for me is like a credit yeah. card on your central nervous system. You're borrowing energy you don't have. You're asking for a boost in cortisol because you're feeling sluggish. And caffeine also sort of temporarily delays the onset of sleep by jamming up a receptor in your brain. So I think that you're, you're not far off the mark in terms of saying coffee really replaces, I mean, coffee and cigarettes used to go together hand in hand. That was like the breakfast of champions back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so. So tell me, okay, back to now the kind of a little mm-hmm. bit like the, the weight loss journey a little bit. Yeah. What were the changes? We talk about bad habits, right? And, and not even bad habits. I, I shouldn't say that. We just obviously just kind of said there's just habitual yeah, yeah. things we do. I think we all have vices, habits. Yep. I'll get into another question. I really think you're a great person to bring this up with in a second. But let's let's also rewind a little bit and talk about the weight loss journey. Like yeah. at what point were you like, I've had enough? Like I always love learning and by the way, please, I respectfully say this, but at what point mm, was yeah. it like where you maybe hit the lowest, where you were like, I'm done kind of, yeah. you know, and it, does that, does that make sense? And I Absolutely apologize. Does. No, 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 no apology needed. I'm, I'm very comfortable with my past experience. Now I've made peace with all of it. Um, I think, which is a really one, you know, I'm in a great place mentally, you know, my physical health still needs work. And that's really, that's a really interesting point we can touch on as well. The fact that achieving a certain thing doesn't mean that you're in the clear for the rest mm-hmm. of your life, but it, this is something I have to manage for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And most people don't realize that or don't want to come to terms with it or make peace with the fact that, yeah. So, but to go back to your, your earlier question, mm-hmm. I would say I hit lows multiple times. There wasn't really necessarily one defining moment. There were many times where I got to the place where I'm like, ah, I've had enough. I just can't keep doing this. I have to change. And I'd go down the path of change, but ultimately I was going down a way that I couldn't keep doing. Yeah. And I would just mentally break. And it's not really about mental weakness. It's simply not sustainable to live in a straitjacket. Nobody wants to do that. And so I also kept going into it with like the wrong mindset. I just got to do this to get to this place. And then, you know, well, what comes after? And then, and then what? What do you do next? And it took me a long time to make peace with the fact that there was no end point to me managing my health and my nutrition. There was no, I'm going back to what I was doing before once I hit this goal. It was, I need to build a new way of living that I can sustainably keep doing where I don't demand perfection from myself where it feels like. And so I have a lot of really healthy habits. I have a few that are unhealthy mm-hmm. and I understand why we say good and bad. And that's not meant, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to avoid it primarily because we don't want to create character judgment. Like you're a good person or a bad person for doing this, you know, good people get cookies or, you know, that sort of thing. But you know, the reality is like our brains are these marvelous and complex, like supercomputers. Yeah. But very often our brain seems to work against us because the way that our biology is, the way that we're wired is that well, I said we have a famine biology and we live in a feast world. Mm-hmm. That's probably the number one issue that we have. Yeah. A body fat serves a purpose. It's a famine survival mechanism. Yeah, I totally agree. So I want to touch on something you kind of said, and, and you said your journey's not over yet. I believe you. And so a couple of things I want to I want to say, and you're kind of talking to our core values. This is a great conversation, by the way, you and I are having. I'm really, I, I wish I booked you for longer than 30 possible minutes. But so here, yeah, we here's can always, the thing. We can always wind yeah, it back and do it again no, sometime. For sure. We're going to have to. But let me say one thing that I think you're, my core value, and I even brought this into the company, and even during COVID, and we try to stay away from, we want this place to be a place where people can escape your daily stresses, right? Mm, yeah. But what I've always said is, if you don't take care of your physical health, and we talked about this in the pre-call first, I don't think in relationships, professional success. One thing about 6 a.m. run, you know, when I started waking up at 6 a.m. run, my wife said, you can't run at 6 p.m. That's family time. I talk about motion and effort, right? I was getting to work earlier. 
I wasn't rolling out of bed with my coffee and like eyes half open. People trusted me to take on big projects. You know, so many successes came from getting up, mm, taking care yeah. of first thing in the morning, taking care of my physical health. Right. Yeah. It was a very meditational, if that's a word, but it was Absolutely. very, it was, it cleared me every morning. Right. Oh, I got uh, any anger I had. Listen, and you can be, I'll be the first to admit it. You can be angry because you had a rough night trying to discipline your kids. You yeah. can be angry because you and your spouse don't agree on finances. You can be, there's so many levels of emotion you go through and anxiety you go through every day. Right. Absolutely, you know, yeah. And what I found the running did. So anyway, back to my point, I want you to, I I don't want to do all the talking here. What I learned was, look, if I don't take care of my physical body and also get some aggression out while doing it, Mm. nothing else in my life will be successful. Yeah. Is that something you prescribe to, or am I crazy there? No, not at all. I try to invest in myself first thing, you know, so and it doesn't have to be something big. So I'm, for example, I'm not a runner. I don't, I joke that no, I'm really built like a runner. I'm a power lifter or was, you know, yeah. a few injuries have derailed that one as well. But let's say I get up in the morning, uh, I drink some water with some electrolytes to, to get the hydration started. I brush my teeth, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's an act of self-care. It's an investment in my future health. You know, uh, I might go down hop on my recumbent bike, go for like a 10 minute ride on it, just get some blood flowing, oxygen flowing. And then we have family snuggle time in the mornings. So I got a son who just turned one. And, uh, so we, we just toss him in the bed with us and we just snuggle up with him. He's not much of a snuggler. He likes to, but he likes to be close to us, but he's a, he's a mover and a shaker. So but we just have that time of, of connection. So I'm really filling my cup in the morning um, with the things that are most important to me before I dive into work. Because I mean, look, I love my business. I love running a business. I really enjoy being an entrepreneur. But it's so important that before I can go and serve my my customers and help them or my clients, that I have to have taken care of myself. Because you're absolutely right. Um, absolutely. If your body's breaking down, we can't do nearly what we want to do if our body is breaking down because we're not taking care of it. So can I ask, It's because here's I, I don't want to overstep that. What I love that you do that I actually might incorporate in my life, it's kind of like, especially in COVID, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Mm. Do you work from home every day? I do, yep. Okay, so, but here's the crazy part. Let's imagine you didn't. If you had a nine to five, what you do, and I think people can do, before you step, even though you work from home, that's still your nine to five, right? What you do in the morning is you kind of, your last image, so to say, is of the people you're doing this for also. I'm not saying you don't serve your customers because I Absolutely. do too. Yeah. My customers are like my family as well. But I want to, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I don't want to yeah, yeah. go over that point. What you do in the morning is your last image is like of the mo- the two, your wife, you said, and your son, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Of the two most important people. And it's fine if there's other important people. I'm not saying of there's course. not. Yeah, yeah. But the two most important people in your life. And then you're like, all right, this is what I'm doing it for. Like, see, I'm jealous of that. I haven't even been doing that. I kind of think it, right? Yeah, yeah. But outside of a kiss goodbye, and this one's off to that direction, and this one's off to that, I kind of want to incorporate what you do. Second of all, let me say my opinion on this, and I'm the old school, whether it's a son or a daughter, I think kids need to be hugged, and this is my personal opinion, Mm. I think kids need to be hugged and shown a little bit of affection, not creepily, let me me clarify that, but I think kids need to be hugged and shown affection because I think, you know, it's love, and I don't mean to equate it to a a dog or an, but let let me use this as an example. My dog came up to my wife and I jumped on our bed the other night. It's so funny you're saying all this because you and I are like, it's crazy. (laughs) And the dog came right between my wife and I and literally just stared at us. And I was like, okay. And I literally started like just scratching them and petting them. I swear this dog smiled. Yeah. Right. 
And I told my wife, I said, he just, listen, he's an animal, but just like us, he needs love. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? We all need a hug. We all need yeah. love. And, and that's why I interrupted you. And I'm sorry if I took it no, over and hijacked it. But what you do in point. the mornings is one of the best things I've heard any podcast guest I have. And I'll say that on this air. I'm in love with what you just said you do first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. And now take it away again. Well, you know, I do like the morning diaper change. Well, I try and change as many diapers as I can because that's like my face to face time mm -hmm. with him. Like really, because, you know, my wife is nursing and sure. she gets, you know, and so, but uh, I kiss my son probably 100 to 200 times a day. Like I just, without even thinking about it, I just kiss the yeah. top of his head. Um, yeah. I think about trying to be present, you know, and using all of my, my senses. Well, probably I don't use taste, but uh, all of my other senses to be present with him. And so, because it's, it's easy for us to get really, really busy in our minds and, and have other things. So I, I try to think you know like well what does his hair smell like what does his skin feel like you know what does he feel like in my arms you know what does his voice sound like you know the little words that he's coming out and saying and so on and just trying to imprint that in my memory and the one thing you know i say like we, we live in a really uncertain time right now there's a lot of things kind of being shaken up and really have been over the last couple of years i'm really really grateful that my son has really only known like love and security and we've been able yeah. to provide for him the best thing we can do is i think give our children this kind of stability and emotional stability. So if the other thing is, I want to model what healthy and positive masculinity looks like for my son. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean withholding affection. It doesn't diminish me. You know, I, I had to grapple with even my idea of what it means to be a man and be masculine and so on after everything I went through. It does not diminish us. It does not, you know, diminish masculinity mm -hmm. to be affectionate and to show love. It's so funny because we put, you know, I think we'll hug, we'll backslap, we'll grunt, we'll we'll kind of make it, you know, manly type of affection. But the reality is we need affection and connection too. Yeah. And it doesn't make us less less of men. And so I want my son, and he's not a snuggler. And my wife and I joke, we're kind of in one sense glad because like we'd never put him down if he was, you know, we just hold him and hold him and hold him. But uh, he's he's a wrestler and a struggler instead. But, you know, I walk into the room and he, he's he's racing across the living floor as fast as he can crawl to get to me. And, you know, he wants to bonk heads or whatever, you know, like he's a pretty physical kid. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you as, as a father, and I love my age gap between my two. Yeah. And what's funny is, let me say this to you and, and I'm with you on the affection. My older one did the same thing you're doing and even do it with the younger one. But let me tell you what happened with my first one. My first one, you get so talk, walk, turn your head, lift your head. Great, 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 great. And right, all of a sudden right. you blink your eye and my first firstborn's 14 now. Tonight she has Ooh. her first high school playoff basketball game. Like I'm like, wow, yeah. holy shit, like where did time go, right? Yeah. With the second one, she's now six. They, there's okay. a little bit, there's almost a 10 year age gap. My second one, I was like, don't walk, don't crawl. Like I'm, yeah, I was yeah. forcing it not to, you know, you're, yeah. you're like, you know, I, I hate when I hear a parent say, my kid walked at six months. F that. I don't care. Don't walk. Like it's, yeah, I don't want to yeah. rush those things anymore. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. It you know absolutely what I mean? does. We, we felt exactly the same way. And he's your first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like th that's, that's the win. Like you rush. And here's the other thing too. Let me tell you this. And people are, who are listening are hopefully getting a little insight, even in me, you have to remember it literally come to, and I, I'm not saying you don't love your son. I love both my kids to death. You yeah. just, you're going to have to discipline, say, don't touch that. Right. Yeah, don't yeah. touch the hot stove. Don't touch that electrical socket. Don't, don't go for <laughs> don't scissors. Don't jam a key in there. <laughs> don't, like, you know what I mean? This. So yeah, yeah. you're going, there's a book my six-year-old loves. It's called No David, right? Like it's the mom okay. that's like, no, no, no. Like you're going to be so no, 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 no. And so, so look, any good parent is also a little bit of a disciplinarian. You have to. They're not emotionally developed enough. hundred percent. But at least if you know... I 
go back to my parents and I'm, I come from a Persian family. So a yeah, little, it's, yeah. it's different style over there. It is affectionate. My dad, I remember I used to have to tell him, Hey, kiss me at the light before school. Because if my friends saw you kiss me out of the car, goodbye, I'm going to get razzed. Right. 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 Did, did you so, grow up here in North America or I was, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I'm born and raised in, in Wilmington okay, in, okay. Right outside Philly. Yeah. But I, that's what I'm saying. I had to tell him like, look, like <laughs> right, if you want to yeah. kiss me goodbye, like it's gotta be like a couple of lights before we get to the, cause and same thing, vice versa. They love me so much. They didn't want me riding the bus. Like it's a different thinking from when they're immigrants, yeah, yeah. right? I get it. I love it. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is, is like, and this is where I love what you're doing. At the end of the day, whenever my dad, and he was hard on me on sports and hard on yeah. me on grades, like, but at the end of the day, that as much of an asshole as he was on certain things, I always knew the dude loves me. Like, does that make sense? Yes. hundred percent. Like that was never a doubt. I look back at my parents and uh, like I was I was not an easy kid to raise because uh, it turns out I'm an empath, which means I'm also very emotional. I feel a lot of emotions and I would have temper tantrums. And, and you know, I call it like it was really looking back. It was like that was a pressure relief valve in a sense that had it, everything built up, built up, built up. And then it has to come out. And so it would come out in a temper tantrum and, you know, I'd get disciplined. But always, you know, at the end of it, I would come out, say I was sorry. My dad would scoop me up in his arms. He'd hug me and say, I love you, you know. And so I have no negative memories about being disciplined because it was, you know, one, first of all, I always got a warning. Don't do this. Here's why, you know, and then I got a second warning and then it was like, okay, if you do this again, here's what's going to happen. And they said, I had to follow through with my word. If I said that I had to follow through. So I always knew why I was getting disciplined in whatever way I was being disciplined. I always knew why. And at the end of it, I always knew I was loved. And ultimately, like, that's the best thing we can do for our kids is, yeah. you know, we shouldn't fear, like, I, I work in the world of behavioral psychology. I'm just absolutely fascinated at watching my son's brain develop. Obviously, we're very gentle and loving and affectionate with him. But, you know, you tell him no, and you think I just pulled his arm off or something, the reaction, you because he, he knows what it means now. Right. But remember, too, so their style of thinking is a little different, too. So oh, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I'll <laughs> tell you this story, and I've shared, I may have shared this or not, but to your point, so my, my six-year-old, when she was a lot younger, what really put things in perspective for me, one day she fell asleep. We did a movie night in our bed. She yeah. fell asleep in our bed. She had candy from movie night that as she fell asleep. Don't you know, first thing she did when she got up in the morning, she knew she had a thing of candy that, you know, where is it, right? And she knew, right. she's like, this is how smart they are, but also <laughs> where, like, yeah. she knew, oh, I didn't finish my candy last night. Where is it? Yeah. It was on top of our headboard on top of the bed. What was crazy was she went to grab it. We were like, no, first thing in the morning, you're not eating any candy, right? Yeah, What's yeah. insane is the screaming that she yeah. did, right? Yeah, now, yeah. you would have thought someone like was killing her, right? Yeah, yeah. In reality, in the spectrum of reality, this is just a, like literally taking candy sure, from a baby. But in her world, it was such a magnified issue right? It sucked. Yeah. It was like, it was as if someone died in her family. So like, this yeah, was yeah. such a magnified issue. And what that showed me was for a one-year-old, this is a huge issue. Every day we have issues that when you really think about it, are they that big of a deal? Nah, like we need to sometimes maybe take a step back yeah. and be like, what am I spazzing out about? What is yeah. this? Is this my bag of candy that really I don't need to put that much energy and effort into worrying about? And yeah. I try to tell my wife now, like, let's, when my wife gets upset about something with another person or whatever, I'm sure, like, listen, yeah. do we really need to invest any effort in worrying about this or just let it handle itself? I'm sorry, I keep interrupting no. you, but you're so on point. 
<laughs> what I love about that story. So stories are sticky for our brain and they're great for us to learn. I use a lot of analogies when I coach and teach because it helps us really connect the dots from maybe what might be a challenging concept. So is this your bag of candy? That's a great thing to say, like working with clients, getting them to recognize this, you know, and one of the things that I love and you would wonder what does this have to do with emotional eating? Because, you know, I can connect the dots here too, mm-hmm. because I work with people when these issues weren't taken care of properly. And now they're still wired in their brain 30, 40 years later. Right. You know, I think, man, I'm so glad I'm a dad now with the knowledge I have now, because now I get to set them up, at least do my best in terms of, and and look, every parent does their best. I don't mean they don't, but really set them up for success in a way that I would not have been able to do five years ago, 10 years ago. I would not have been positioned to do this. But what I love is this idea that, you know, the answer is still no but I'm going to sit with you in this difficult emotion. Yeah. So we learn emotional resilience. And I really feel uh-huh. like that's a missing piece of the puzzle here. Yeah. Why do we emotionally eat? Because we don't have the ability to sit with an emotion that's uncomfortable. That makes sense. It makes sense. No, I, I love that. I, and you remember too, like I always tell my kids and where I'm a little, I got spanked. My kids don't yep. get spanked, but I, I did. I got spanked. I did, but yep. I, I always tell my kids though, it's even when I get upset at them, what I always say though is this, and I need them to understand this isn't fun for me. Like, I think I will mm-hmm. say, I wondered all the time. I'm like, man, my dad loves kicking my ass, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I jokingly yeah. would say that. It's weird. And my daughter who's 14, I'm 42. Yeah. When she's going through her stages in life, one thing I think a lot of us can relate to, I feel like freshman year of high school, I'm like, geez, wasn't that last week for me? Yeah. But they don't know that. They think dad's old and uncool, right? Right. Like, yeah. And I get that. Yeah. But I literally, in my mind, I'm like, well, what was I thinking freshman year in high school? Oh, my parents don't know shit. My parents don't get it. Like, yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm trying to put myself in her shoes. So I, one of the things I tell her, and I, especially with the six-year-old who's a lot younger, who does get a little bit more disciplined because as she's growing, I'm like, listen, you got to know this isn't fun for me. I'd rather be your friend right now, like screaming mm. or getting upset at you or disciplining you or taking your phone away and getting attitude back. You think I enjoy this? Like, cause yeah. I don't. I call it uh, delayed gratification parenting. Like I don't, I don't enjoy it. And I think when I started telling them that, like I want, listen, you want to enjoy time with your kids. You want to have fun family time. And yeah. you know, so it's so funny you're mentioning all that, but I think like to your point, I needed to become kind of 30, go through some things like, and be mm-hmm. like, because I don't know, I think to your point too, it's, you got to also let them know sometimes. Last example I'll give on my kids, my daughter being a freshman in high school the other day, where I feel like I'm growing even, she said she was going to a friend's house, right? And if she's listening, she's probably going to kill me. But luckily I don't think my daughter, <laughs> I don't think my daughter listens to these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. but the other day she's like, I'm going to a friend's house. No problem. And actually she left basketball practice. The friend's mom took them home. I find out, and this is not a bad thing, but I found out it was her friend. And then there were three boys there and they were all just hanging out watching a movie. Now the parents were at that house. Yeah. Yeah. I told her though, I said to her, I said, listen, you know, this is where I had to have that discussion of not lying is lying kind of thing. And, yeah. and I had to tell her though, I said, listen, if you would have told me going to so-and-so's house and boom, 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 people are going to be there. Would I have said no? No, I would have said fine. But the fact that you would have told me up front, boom, 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 it's in more of an honesty thing, right? Like, yeah, FYI, dad, I'm going to this house and these are the six people I'm hanging out with, right? If you did that, now I'm not going to ground you. I'm not going to take your phone away because this is the first time you've ever made that mistake. From now on, you give me the full story, especially because she's 14. Now, this is the first mm, time yeah. she wants to go places on her own. So I said, now, this is the first time both you and I are going through this. 
So I'm not going to punish you. I'm actually proud of myself. I know it sounds yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not going to punish you. Not going to do anything crazy. But I'll tell you what, if this happens again, exactly what your dad did. If yeah. this happens again, your ass is in trouble. Yeah. And it's, I think that's a, it's a healthy approach because I, like, I remember my parents preferred if I told the truth and it's, right. it's like, I got in less trouble if I told yeah. the truth about what I did than if I lied about it, because it's, it's more important that you're honest, you know, cause we don't want to teach you that you just lie to avoid punishment. Yeah. And so really I say integrity is like one of my, one of the core values, integrity and compassion are my two core values. But again, it goes back to that idea of, Hey, sometimes the answer is no, but I'll sit with you in that uncomfortable emotion. So you don't feel yeah. alone in it. You know, yeah. and so if we swing over to sort of the emotional eating piece of the puzzle, because look, almost everybody grapples with some form of emotional eating because of the availability of food. And it's funny you think about like kid and candy and stuff. And we're trying to limit my son's exposure to anything other than whole foods right now, not because we're Luddites, <laughs> but because uh, we recognize here's what it can do to his developing brain. Here's how it can affect it. You know, you eat something with artificial sweeteners, eat something with artificial flavors, you see things and taste things with artificial colors. They're stimuli that are more powerful than anything we see or experience in nature. And once your brain registers that, you know, an apple will taste like cardboard. Now you can reset your palate over time and so on. But it's like, if he doesn't know it exists, I'm happy. You know, he doesn't know any different. He knows that he gets milk from mom. And, uh, you know, he gets his potatoes and his veggies and his rice and his fruit and things like that. And he loves fruit, but we're trying to keep him on whole food. And sometimes it's not easy because it would be easier just to give him some sort of, you know, processed like snack food. Like my wife's got a whole assembly line happening upstairs in the kitchen right now, you know, prepping some food for him. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to invest in him now and set him, give him, we can't, obviously when he becomes an adult, we can't control what he does and not that we want to, but we want to give him the best foundation possible. And maybe one that looks a little different than the foundation we got. We want to learn from our parents. We want to learn from the mistakes they made and set him up for success. Because like I said, I find myself encountering and working with people, working through stuff as a result of what happened in the first seven years of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's amazing. As we round this kind of fourth quarter here and I, I, you, Like I said, we got to schedule like a different one for sure. Yeah, we, we end up talking about parenting. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Tell, tell me that real quick. No, I know. But tell me about coaching. And let's, like I said, some of the other things, let's, I have a little bit of time. I'm not yeah. really that much of a rush. If you do, tell me a little bit more about Jonathan McLernan, what you also mm-hmm. do, clients, maybe you're, you know, who would reach out to you. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about you, your career now and yeah. your vision and what's been going on. I want to make sure we cover that as well. Well, the way that I look at working with people is this, and maybe I'll contrast this with what we've been exposed to for many years. For many years, it's been, you go on this diet, you know, you temporarily change your behavior until you reach a benchmark or a goal. And then you go back to whatever it was you were doing before. That's the diet mentality, permanent results from temporary effort. Well, that's, that's a falsehood that can never be. So, and I I always joke with people, like if your diet has an expiry date, so do your results. (laughs) That's, that's, and so- but the other way that we've we've often dealt with this is like, I'm the guru, you're the dummy. I tell you what to do and you do it. And if you don't, I tell you off. That's not coaching. That's, That's not, not right. working with people. Now, sometimes people will even ask for that. Tell me what to do and slap my, let's say exactly, basically slap my wrist if I don't do it. That's what they believe they need to create change. But in the field of behavioral psychology, we understand this is not how we create change in our life. Okay. So the way that I work with somebody is, This is a collaborative effort between two experts. Now we have differing areas of expertise. I bring my expertise in behavioral psychology and nutrition science. 
You bring your expertise in terms of your internal environment, your life, your life history, your emotional health, and so on. And this is really, really important. And so it's not that I'm a Sherpa. I say I'm a a tour guide, not a Sherpa. In other Mm -hmm. words, I don't carry your shit, basically. Um, Because it does not empower somebody. Imagine if somebody goes, I hand you my problems, you solve them, and give them back. What have you learned from that? Nothing. Have you grown? No. Have you gained it? No. I want to empower my clients so that when they're done working with me, that they they do not go back to the the place they were at before. Because nobody starts out with me and goes, hey, I want to lose 30 pounds and then gain it back when I'm done working with you. (laughs) Right. So we go, how do we make this happen? Well, we have to essentially reverse engineer our own healthy lifestyle because we have to create a new way of living that is sustainable. And so we're going to do exactly that work with our brain, the way our brain actually works versus how we think it does. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'll give somebody a principle and say, we're going to start at this starting point here. You are going to try to implement this and then you're going to give me feedback. Does this work? How does it work? What does it trigger? Where do you struggle? So now instead of trying to do this perfectly, it becomes this learning experience where it's like implement, get feedback, adjust. Because you know what really is a massive predictor of success It's this ability to iterate, this ability to Mm -hmm. tweak, to adjust instead of on off switch. I tried to do it. I couldn't do it perfectly. I'm throwing this away. It doesn't work. Guaranteed recipe for failure, right? So instead we go, we implement and we learn and we adjust. Implement, learn, adjust. Piece by piece, bit by bit, what we're doing is we're building a lifestyle that you can keep doing. And the end of it, you're not going back to who you were before. And that's the amazing thing. Now, of course, along the way, we need some coaching because we're going to hit some roadblocks. We're going to hit some triggers. And in fact, we have to be moving forward and taking action in order to trigger like what's going on with us. And so that's where the coaching becomes absolutely like priceless. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the way that I approach working with people. Wow. I love that. And where can people reach you? Uh, Freedomnutritioncoach.com is my website. I also have three podcasts, um, depending on what your interest might be. Between the before and after, that is about telling stories of people who've overcome significant obstacles in their life. You know, social media shows us the before and after photo, but it doesn't really truly tell the story. And so I want to I want to explore that. Um, the second one I have is called Wellness Unfiltered. Now that's this is us trying to create more connected care, helping people become a participant in their health rather than a patient. So where you become an educated advocate for yourself, as opposed to just waiting for some diagnosis and then being given a prescription. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. The third one is is a little bit unrelated to health, but it's called It's Not So Black and White. And this is uh, regaining the ability to have civil disagreement, civil discourse, nuanced conversation around difficult and emotionally loaded topics. So. Wow. How did you, like I said, I know you had your journey. Yeah. One of the things I love, right? And I think I had a corporate America job. I don't know how you got yeah. into this, but I, I know that like for me, it's really like I, I tell people and I'm not against banking and I'm not against, sure. I'm yeah. not anti-government or anything. But it, when I look back on it, it was like, oh man, like I'm really like, I work for a bank and I'm possibly putting people in debt. Like that's not fulfilling, right? Yeah. I'm not saying banks yeah. are bad. We all need banks. We all got to put our money somewhere. We all need sure. credit cards. But you know, I, I think, and to you, I think was it for me, I think when you, you need to hit that middle age mark kind of, cause then you look back and you're like, well, what do I want to be remembered for? Right? Absolutely. Like as I'm now 42, I'm like, I'm technically, this is the second half. I look at everything. I gamify a lot of stuff. Yeah, technically yeah. this is the second half of life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right? I think it's a fair assessment to say we get 80 years is a pretty good guess. Yeah. I just ticked over 40, man. I just hit halftime. Yeah. And so you take this halftime of life and you take stock and, and, you know, if I had no other choice, 
I would go back to being an employee somewhere if I needed to. Mm -hmm. But it's almost inconceivable to me because I love so much what I do. It feels so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. That's not to say running a business is easy, man. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the toughest things I've ever taken on. And only those who've run a business will truly understand what I'm saying. (laughs) But I wouldn't trade it because... And there, there are months where I make less money than I made when I was, you know, working in the oil patch, working oh. as a lineman, that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's not all glamorous. There are no. hard months, you know, and we, we just been through economic turmoil. Like a lot of people lost their businesses in the last mm-hmm. two years due to no fault of their own. So, well, that's where, so you have to always work hard, right? And yeah. we can kind of end on this. You always, look, you always have to work hard. I hate when like Gary Vee and people say work hard because we're right, right. like a custodian. My, I use my, my, my wife's father as an example. He's a custodian. If he works yeah. hard, he's not going to get richer or make more that's money, right. right? But you do have to put in the effort and work hard. But what I think people need to sometimes do is, and what, what I say is that doesn't mean don't put in the effort, but sometimes if things are out of your control, you just do have to let them kind of go mm. a little bit. And we talked about that a little bit. Like yeah, yeah. sometimes things aren't in your control. You couldn't control COVID, right? Luckily, a lot of people I hope were helped a little bit by some government assistance and things mm-hmm. like that, right? Like things are sometimes just out of your control. And I think that the only thing you can do, and I love talking to you and, and people, we, we do audio only. So people unfortunately won't be able to see you. You seem very, not only you're in through your voice, I know people will hear that, but I, you have like this smile and positivity about you that I love also seeing, right? And I think you have to just kind of carry that, you know, sometimes it's a forced smile, but you have to kind of po- think, <laughs> yeah, think positively, yeah. right? Like a lot of times yeah. as the man of the house, I, I don't like that terminology because I, and, and I, hey. I, I don't want to upset any in, in the woke movement or anything. And I, I have a two women and a wife. But what I'm saying is like, a lot of times I do feel like it's like, I'm viewed as like the household leader. So I got to put on a brave face, right? To your point, things might look bleak in a checking account, but guess what? Daddy's got to look brave and act like nothing's wrong, even though I'm like, oh shit, right? So no, I love, I love what you're saying. This isn't an easy life, but obviously I think it's fulfilling. That's for sure. And again, um, we'll put, please message me everything. I'm probably going to move this podcast a little bit up on some of the recordings to get it out there. We'll put in the bio how you guys can reach um, Coach McLernan and from any city state, right? Like they can reach Mm. out to you and and, and work with you, right? I'm actually in Canada. I've got, I've got plenty okay. of American clients. Yeah, I've got clients around the world. So awesome. it's not, it sounds more glamorous than it actually is, but it's, just, it's cool to be able to do that, to have that as a possibility. So you hit the nail on the head. Like, look, I've lost my life savings. I've lost businesses, multiple businesses, in fact, as well as I've been nearly murdered. <laughs> we barely touched on that. Like, No, so it's let's like, schedule but, another one for sure. Yeah, it just I would just say in a nutshell, when you go through experiences like that, it just kind of wakes you up to the reality of life. Nobody gets out of this alive. Life's short. And it's short and it can be taken away. And so I didn't want to go through my life being miserable. And that doesn't mean I put a, put a rainbow on a turd, but it's like I flip things around and say, how can I learn and grow from this? What can I take from this that helps me move forward as a human being? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a great way to approach it. Awesome. No, this was great. We're, we're going to have you back, Mr. McLernan. Uh, I yeah, appreciate yeah. your time. And no, this was great. And this is going to be one of the best 30 minutes or 40 minutes while they're running or any of our community members. I know they're going to be amped up after this one. So it's awesome. So again, thank you guys for your time. We'll put this out there in 6am community. Thank you guys for helping this podcast continue to grow. Thank you, everyone. And again, uh, John, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.